Hey, y'all. You're listening to How I Got Here with Drina Whitfield, the podcast that dives deep into the unique journeys of some of the dopest entrepreneurs, business leaders, and personalities I know. I'm your host, Drina Whitfield. I created this podcast to have real, honest conversations about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Grab your notebook, sit back, relax, and catch these gems. Today, I'm here with Calvin Qualis, founder and CEO of Scotch Porter. Scotch Porter is a male grooming brand. The products range from hair, skin, and beard, and really place wellness as a priority for men. Everything is non-toxic and beneficial to both your interior and exterior. Scotch Porter has won numerous awards and has truly become a disruptor in the space. Calvin and the brand have been featured in Women's Wear Daily, The Real, GQ, Men's Health, People, Allure, Essence, and more. Calvin, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to share your story and just to talk about how you got to this place where you are today. Yes. First, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Now, Calvin and I have been working together for a few years now. I think we kind of maybe started our businesses like really focusing on it full time and laser focused on growing our brands around the same time. Would you say, Calvin? Yes. Yes. So that was what, like how many years ago? Five years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I remember the old packaging and to see Mm -hmm. where it is now. And just, I'm extremely, extremely proud of you, Calvin, to see the growth with not just Scotch Porter, but with you. Oh, thank you. And same here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And so I wanted to actually just take it all the way back to the very, very beginning. And even before you came up with the Scotch Porter brand, I want to talk about what you wrote in your high school yearbook as to like what you saw yourself doing in the next 10 years. And I want to know, is that true? Like whatever you wrote down in that book, has that come into fruition with Scotch Porter? And if not, I want to talk a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to high school, I I don't even remember what I wrote in my high school <laughs> yearbook. But the one, the one thing that I will say that it was sort of the uh, the underpinning of like sort of my story from high school to college was that I really didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> and to be quite honest with you, because it's all about honesty, mm-hmm. I didn't really figure that out until about six or seven years ago, right? So I'd say, <laughs> what? Right? honestly, right? I didn't, I didn't figure that out until six, seven years ago when I started Scotch Porter. And so- you know, in high school and college, you know, a dreamer, tons of ideas that I didn't really act on, didn't know what I wanted to do, didn't have much direction in terms of what it is that I wanted to do. So I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I just figured that out about seven years ago. Got so it, I'm a late moment. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> a lot of people start some amazing things later in life. Yep. So there's nothing wrong with starting later in life. And I'm still pretty young, just throwing that out there for your audience. <laughs> I'm not old. You're not. You're not. But, you know, you started a new venture, you know, at a time when folks are really like coming into their career, really figuring out what they want to do. Yep. But so, okay, so Scotch Porter is still fairly new to the market. But tell me a little bit about what you were doing before you launched Scotch Porter. Like, I know you come from a corporate background to so tell me yep. what your day to day was and what did you go to school for? And yeah, share a little bit about yeah. that. Sure. So I went to school for business administration. And again, around that time, 
I went to school for business administration because I thought that I wanted to do something in business, sort of behind the scenes, but wasn't exactly sure what what that would be. I did uh, after after college, you know, had gotten a couple of jobs. One was working for a design firm in administration, and then the second job was in finance at a market research firm. And so, looking at spreadsheets all day long, sitting behind an office cubicle is kind of what I did, and um, wasn't very excited about that, about the <laughs> prospects of what that would lead to for the rest of my life. And you know, I'd say at that time, I didn't necessarily feel my absolute best about the decisions that I had made career-wise. I just knew that I should be doing something a little bit more creative than looking at spreadsheets all day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of people go through that. I know I did with my journey. I worked at an ad agency in, in the city and I absolutely like loathe going into it every day um, mm-hmm. because I just wasn't excited about it. So you were working in administration at a market design firm, right? Yep. At a market research firm, Ipso. A market research firm, sorry. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into, you know, the beauty and grooming space? Tell me a little bit about that. Did you have experience as a barber? Did someone in your family have, like, how did you get introduced to even, you know, working in this, in this industry? Like what sparked that passion for you? Yeah. So it really, you know, it all goes back to uh, my mom, right? Spent a lot Mm -hmm. of time my mom had a beauty parlor and barbershop uh, when I was a kid, and my brother and I spent tons of time there and always remembered uh, people walking into the shop. And some of them, even as a kid, I could tell some of them didn't necessarily look or feel their best, but it, but they'd sit in my mom's chair or one of the other barbers in stylist chair and kind of be transformed. So I remember those experiences where my mom and some of the other barbers and stylists kind of helped people feel better about themselves. Again, went, went off to college, graduated, you know. Got a couple of gigs. Both of the the jobs that I had worked um, were good paying, but in a sense, a little bit soul crushing in that, again, they weren't creative. I just knew that I should be doing something very different, something much more impactful. I, at that time, I didn't necessarily feel great about the decisions that I had made in terms of uh, career decisions. And I was just in a place where I was like approaching 30. I was in a bit of a funk in terms of what I'm going to do with my life. I hadn't figured it out. I had a job. I had what some people would consider a good paying job and even a career. But for me, I knew that that wasn't what that it, this could it couldn't just be me sitting at an office cubicle looking at spreadsheets all day. I, I knew that I could not do that for the rest of my life. Um, and that wasn't the life that I wanted to live. So I think it was just a, a moment in time where I was doing some, some discovery, some self-exploration, not really feeling great about myself and about my career. And I'd say one evening, you know, I'd take the same route every day for about five years at the last job and, and, and never noticed this brownstone building sitting directly across the street from Broad Street t- train station, uh, a stop that I would get off every day to connect over to the other train to get home. And this one particular day, I was in a really, a really big funk uh, really unhappy with my job, uh, really unhappy with what I was doing with my life and never noticed this brownstone building. And this one day happened to notice it. I think I had sort of an epiphany. Don't know what came over me. But at that same time, I kind of remembered being in my mom's shop. I remember my experiences, you know, visiting a barbershop every two weeks and that feeling you get when you when you get out of the chair, you know, the barber kind of brushes you off. You look in the mirror and you just walk out like feeling like a million bucks. And so 
I kind of resonated with or thought of, I guess, in that moment of possibly opening up a barbershop sort of on the side while holding down the daytime desk job because I still had bills and responsibilities. And so I ended up opening up a barbershop sort of on the side. And it was this cool looking barbershop, almost like a cultural hub. We had a bar, we had a stage, we had open mics, we had art exhibitions. We had the mayoral candidates of Newark you know, come in and do um, the debates. We had like mental health awareness sessions. It was just, it was a really cool barbershop. But I think most importantly, what came from that is I now had an opportunity to express that creativity that I've always felt that I had. And it just so happens that while starting the barbershop and having this cool idea for a barbershop, I also witnessed or encountered an issue that many of our customers had which led to the creation of our product line, which led to the creation of Scotch Border. Got it. And so at that time, like during the time that you were juggling both the barbershop and your full-time job, how many, like, how were you doing that? And how many barbers did you have on staff? Because I imagine it was a lot for you to manage. It was a lot. It was hard. It was definitely hard. So it was, um, we had five barbers. Again, I had the barbershop. Again, we had events, so it was an event space, tons of events. I'd say we probably did about four or five events out of the week, including weekends. Had the daytime desk job, and then again, ended up starting Scotch Porter from the kitchen, and so would be making products and shipping out products. So it was a lot. Honestly, my 38-year-old self, I don't know how I did that, but I wasn't 38 <laughs> then, so I yeah, had a little bit more, had that more energy. energy. Yeah, I had that extra energy. Um, so... I don't know how I juggled it all. I think probably, you know, people say passion, people use passion a lot, right? But I would say that I wasn't necessarily passionate about a particular thing, right? So I wasn't necessarily at first passionate about, you know, owning this barbershop that was a cultural hub. I wasn't necessarily passionate about uh, products initially, right? I think what I was passionate about is wanting to make my life better and figure out what it is that I'm supposed to do in life, right? And so I was passionate about figuring out where I fit in, figuring out what I'm supposed to do with my life. That's what I was most passionate about. And so all these three jobs, my family is West Indian, so there's some some, uh, (laughs) stereotypes that come with West Indians, but all these three jobs that I had, and it was really about figuring out what I'm supposed to do with my life. And ultimately, I figured that out. So I'm grateful for it. Right. But it was hard. Yep. And you know, in the middle, in the beginning, when you're starting something new, it's like a combination of hustle, right? And, and a combination mm-hmm. of passion and grit. I think it's also just like the pursuit of freedom, that, yeah. you know, often comes with entrepreneurship. When you're starting off, that's what you think, right? But um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what puts that extra battering. You're back in the beginning where you're like, I can do any and everything. Like, yep, I'll be here. I won't sleep here. I'll eat this. I'll, you know, I'll budget this. So I think it's just a combination of that. And I, I, agree. I think with a lot of successful entrepreneurs, those are the three, like, you know, these are the three, like, components that make someone really successful. I think it's just a combination of your hustle, your what you're passionate about, whether it be your business and grit, because you're going to hit a lot of bumps and, and you got to learn how to get back back up. Absolutely. You started Scotch Porter with no real product development experience, right? Mm-hmm. So how hard was that? 
Because, you know, we're in an age now where a lot of people are coming up with body butter lines. They're coming up with a lot of great product lines and don't necessarily know how to go about that. And and yeah. you've done it. You know, you've done it well. Like you've been able to take something that started into your kitchen, started in your kitchen into retailers nationwide. So how how hard was that? when you first started out to be like, you know what, I want to create this beard bomb or this beard conditioner. Yeah. So it, it, it was, it was hard in hindsight. And I think part of building something successful or, you know, being, being an entrepreneur or a young entrepreneur, there's this not knowing, right? Like if you knew that it was going to be as hard as you understand now, <laughs> would you have done it? So exactly. it's almost like that right? That naivety provides a battery in your back, like you said, right? And so I don't know that at that time I knew how hard it was going to be, right? Mm. But I've always been a pretty good problem solver. And I didn't enjoy what I was doing in terms of working in finance at the market research firm. And so I actually seen this as like a cool hobby, a way to sort of flex my creative muscle, right? And so and I'm a good problem solver and I enjoy solving problems. And so I, I kind of looked at it as this like fun exercise, evenings and weekends, where I'd learn what I could about natural ingredients. I'd learn how to do things like emulsions to make lotions and, and you know, hair care products and, and beard care products. So I, I really just utilize it as a as a moment to kind of express my creativity, mm-hmm. right? Looking at spreadsheets all day is pretty boring. So this was this was exciting to come home to work on these things. And then I had the barbershop. So what was even cool is that now I had like this immediate validation, right? So like mm-hmm. I go home, I mix something up, right? Imagine just sitting in an office cubicle all day looking at spreadsheets and, you know, six by eight office cubicle. You get home, you you have this problem. You tried one thing out, you know, yesterday or the day before yesterday. You you, you had the opportunity to give it to the barbers or give to the customers and get almost immediate feedback. And then you go back home. I actually found that to be very interesting. And that's just my mm-hmm. personality. I find that to be interesting. So I, I think it was actually enjoyable. It was a lot of work, but I didn't really see it as work. I actually, I actually enjoyed that piece of it. So good problem but- solver, figuring it out. But how did you even know like what products, like what ingredients to include? Like how did you even like how to even like come up with a formulation? Like was it just Google and just like asking folks for insight? How did yeah. how did you know all that? Like how did you figure that out? So uh, a family friend of mine, before I even opened up the barbershop, she had uh, taught me how to make basic lotions, right? So water you know, emulsifier, you know, some oils, a conditioning ingredient. So she had taught me how to, well, not a conditioning ingredient, but water oil emulsifier. She had taught me how to do that. And so I learned how to do that sort of on the stove. And so I know how to make an emulsion, right? That's what they call it. Water oil makes a cream. So I knew how to make a cream. What she didn't know how to do is to make hair products because hair is is very specific. It requires like condition. It just requires all these different elements, especially when it comes to texture hair, conditioning, shine, um, slip. Like there's all these different attributes that are required for hair. That she didn't know. She, She couldn't really tell me what to do to get those sort of benefits from the product. But I at least started out with the knowledge of how to make an emulsion or a lotion. From there, I did research online, you know, natural hair movement was still, and it still is popping, you know, and so I, I 
researched ingredients, like jumped on a bunch of forums. Oh, this particular oil is good for, you know, flaky scalp or this particular oil in combination with this does this. And so I, I utilized the World Wide Web to learn about ingredients. And then I just started adding these ingredients to the basic knowledge that I had, which was how to make a lotion. Lots of trial and error. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> lots and lots, over a year of trial and ever, error, but I finally figured it out and made some some products that, that folks love. So it was a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And so you, you started creating this, this brand in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. And where did you start selling it first? Like, what was the plan for it? Yeah, there. So we had the barbershop. And so we first started selling it in the barbershop. There really wasn't a plan per se. Again, you know, I just wanted to figure out what it is that I was supposed to do in my life. And, you know, just to kind of take a step back, you know, as I was approaching 30, I I told you in high school and college, and even before then, I've always been pretty much a dreamer, like uh, always have like some ideas that I never would act on. And I kind of made a conscious decision before I hit 30 because I was unhappy with where I was in my life with my career or what I was doing with my life. I made a conscious decision that the next sort of idea that pops into my head, if I can hold on to that idea and continue to be excited about it, you know, for for weeks at a time, then I would I would jump on it. And so the barbershop was the first one. And I opened up the barbershop and then sort of, you know, again, spotted spotted this issue with the products. And so it really was about making a content, conscious decision to not want to have regrets about not jumping on ideas or, or you know, ideas that I that that I had and, ju- and just knew that where I was in life, I, I I couldn't sit there. And so when the barbershop hopped in my, hopped in my mind, I jumped on it. When the product idea sort of came aboard, I, I jumped into it, and I didn't really have any expectations for the product line. It was just it was just it was just something to do because I felt like if I'm moving, if you're moving, if, if you're moving, if you're doing things, it'll happen. You'll figure out what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. It was just it was just something to do. Right. And, you know, we launched the products in the barbershop. It, you know, people really like the products so much so that people began traveling to our barbershop. And then I said, wait, we might we might have something here. We just continued to drive it. And then, you know, just decided to make to, to launch a dot com so that they no longer had to travel to the shop to get it. And and then things just really began to take off. So it has been like a stair step approach with no initial plans in place to be like this mega brand, um, you know, that's in that's in mass retail and, you know, driving millions of dollars. That wasn't the plan. The plan was always to kind of figure things out along the way. And again, I wasn't feeling my best self. <laughs> during that period of time when I was working for someone else. And so building the, the, the barbershop, building the business has sort of helped me to come into my own and figure out what I'm good at, figure out what, 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 I, what I can excel at. And, and also it's helped me to define who I am as a person and what I can contribute. So it's been a journey of just exploration initially with no real plan, no real master plans for world domination. <laughs> and I imagine as you're building and growing this brand. It's a, it costs a lot of money, right? So, did you have investors when you started, or did you just you know run through your? Did you have a, a lot of money saved because I you had the barbershop, which I imagine had some overhead, and then your 
you're launching this new product line and there's a lot of trial and error trying to figure out the packaging, the right yeah. ingredients. So did you have a lot of money that you were just sitting on? To- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely not. Nope. I did not. Cause I'm like, um, Calvin, let me, let me get a nope. dollar. Let me hold something. <laughs> I, nope. I did. I did not. I mean, literally the barbershop, I had credit cards. <laughs> I, le- I leverage I leverage credit cards, right? Like I discovered at Amex, I had pretty good credit cards. I leveraged the hell out of those credit cards, you know, to get the equipment for the barbershop, to, to really build the barbershop. I leveraged the hell out of some credit cards. <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of, I still had a job though, right? So I was still able to take care of my basic necessities, like a mortgage, you know, it was a good paying job. So I was able to take care of my basic necessities and I had a little leftover, but didn't have any savings. You know, I was 20, 28 or 29 or something like that. So didn't have a ton of savings, but again, leveraged credit cards. And in terms of building Scotch Porter, that didn't really require that much to, to start, to be honest, because maybe a $5,000 investment to start. And most of that was like buying raw materials, right? I'd buy, you know, stock componentry, you know, I'd have these stickers designed that I'd place on the bottles myself, right? So it didn't really cost a lot to to start Scotch Porter. It was more of a, uh, you know, reinvesting any sales that happened right back into the business, but it didn't really cost much to start. The barbershop actually cost more to start the barbershop than Scotch Porter. So wait, you you really only used about $5,000 to start the brand? Yes. Yep. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. <laughs> and look, starting that barbershop on your credit cards because you're young, Sweet. like you don't know if you if you would have. I'm sure if you would have like just waited a few years, you would have had a cushion to use actual savings. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you're you're starting out, you're young, you got that hustle, you, you have a vision like you're going to do whatever you got to do to make it happen. Yeah, that's true. I think, too, like I just there was this driving force to sort of figure it out. Because again, I was approaching 30. And at that time, 30 was like, what? 30 is exactly. like, right? like 30 is like, 30 is like, you have entered a different space in your life. Like, <laughs> you know, you just look at 30 is like, whoa, right? So there You're was like, like my this, life is over. My life is over, right? So <laughs> there was this driving force that kept that that kept nagging at me that said, you got to move. You got to move. Like I just kept feeling this need to move and movement to me didn't mean quitting my job right away. It just meant doing something right. You're in a mm-hmm. funk. You, 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 you know, you're in a funk, you're in a bad place. Move. You got to move. You got to do something. And I actually recommend that to every person that's thinking about entrepreneurship or starting something or trying to figure out what they wanted to do, want to do in life. It's about movement. It doesn't, you don't have to figure out what you want to do right away. But what you do have to do is explore. I say explore, right? You mm-hmm. have an idea, try it, you know, give it a shot. I'm not telling you to quit your job. Don't quit your job right away. Yeah, um, don't do that. Explore it, move, yeah, move. And so that that's what this period of time in life was for me. It was about movement. And I felt like if I didn't make a move, then I'd be forever sitting behind that office cubicle, looking at spreadsheets. And mm-hmm. just a, just an overall miserable, miserable person. So, yeah. And listen, there's some people out there that love spreadsheets, right? Yes. And, no, that's, no, and, that's, yep. and that's their that's their lane. And we, and we need you. We need you. <laughs> we do need you. 
<laughs> we need a good Excel loving person yes. on our team. You are needed. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about when you when you knew you had something, like when you knew like, okay, now it's the time for me to like pivot and leave my job. You're, you're juggling your full-time job. You're juggling the barbershop. You're juggling like the Scotch Porter. How did you know you had something that guys were like really excited about and it was the potential for this thing to like really grow? Yeah. So I think, you know, a year, year and a half into, into it, I realized that I had something because again, we had people coming into the shop asking, asking for the products. We had launched the .com. We were seeing, you know, couple of thousands of dollars in sales, you know, every month on the dot com. So I knew I had something to what to the extent that I that I know now I did I didn't have that understanding. But I knew that we had something. I wasn't sure if it was going to be able to be something that can that I can pay my bills with, you know, continue to build the business. I wasn't so sure about that. However, we reached a point in the business where, you know, it might have been actually didn't take the jump very like it took a while to take that jump. We had done like uh, 400 and something thousand dollars in like a seven month period online or something like that. And I was like, hold up. Wait, wait a minute. So I have a full time job where I'm dedicating eight hours to I have the barbershop where I'm spending evenings and weekends. And then I'm also dedicating time where I could to, to, to create products and to sell those products online. And even with not a full-time focus or dedication, we were able to do this, me and like one other person. That's crazy. There's something here. And so I was still afraid because again, I had, a, I had a good job, you know, and I was still afraid that if I quit the job and it kind of didn't work out, then what would I do? But I also knew that one, I was young enough. <laughs> if it didn't work out, I can go get another job. But the biggest sort of thing that that occurred to me is that if I didn't take the chance, if I didn't, if I didn't jump on this, that it would be something that I could potentially regret for the rest of my life. And I didn't want to be miserable for the rest of my life. And so I, I took kind of took the leap of faith, quit the daytime desk job. At the same time, I was kind of burnt out, even though I was relatively young. And I, I decided to quit the daytime job, but I also decided to close down the, sh- the shop to devote all of my time and attention to, to Scotch Porter. Because the one thing that I realized is, and it's a big part of one of our core values now, is we control our own destiny. I felt like, one, having a job where I'm working for someone else, I wasn't controlling my destiny there, right? Definitely wasn't. My, my Honestly, my destiny was in someone else's hands, whether it's my boss or employer, they could have gotten rid of me at any time, right? So they had more control than I did in that situation. And then in the barbershop, I wasn't a barber. So I wasn't in the shop cutting here. And so going back to controlling your own, your, uh, your own destiny, other actors had sort of a, a decision on how successful that barbershop or that how successful it would be. But the one thing that I did have more control over was Scotch Porter. I created the products. Um, you know, we we built the brand initially. I had more control over that than anything else. And so, and I was tired and I knew that I needed to focus. And so ultimately I quit the daytime desk job and I ended up closing the barbershop to go all in on Scotch Porter. Wow. And I know that was a scary, scary, right? Because uh, you're was. like, I'm putting all my eggs into this one basket. Yeah. 
And like, what happens if it fails or, you know, even better, like what happens if this, if this brand takes off? Like, that's also a scary part of like, you know, launching something. Yeah. I did mitigate the risk somewhat, right? Because if you, and you and I have talked about this before, I am not an advocate for jumping off the cliff without a little parachute, right? Do not, do not. I did that. Let's trust me. Do not. (laughs) It is hard. It's very hard. So I didn't really do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I, it was, I spent, you know, a couple of years, you know, the barbershop, I spent a couple of years building the the business and I, we got it to a place where, you know, seven months, we're doing 400 and some thousand dollars. Crazy. So I got it to a place where I was like, okay, even if this does crash and burn, I've kind of validated that I have something here. And at the very least, the business is making 400 and something thousand dollars in a seven, eight month period. So I had something. It's not like I didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. And then I got, you know, I negotiated, you know, it wasn't a lot, but I negotiated two months severance from, from the job. So at the very least, I had two months severance. I had a business that was generating some revenue. So I mitigated my risk somewhat. I didn't jump out the plane with no real sort of plan in place. However, it was still scary because it could have still crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I could go get another job if that were to happen. So the worst thing that could happen in this scenario was that it didn't work out and I had to go get another job. Yeah. Versus the alternative of living a life unhappy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And those first couple years, were was there ever a moment where you're like, yeah, I'm about to bounce. I'm about to shut all this down and go and go get a job. Yes. Well, no. Yes and no. <laughs> so, so there have been moments where I've been like, why am I doing this? Um, why am I going through all this frustration? If I went and got a job, you know, I'd be paid much more than the salary that I'm taking from the company right now. And at five o'clock or five thirty or six o'clock, whatever that is, I can kind of check out and not have to worry about things. Why am I doing this again? Mm-hmm. So I've had many moments where that where I've asked myself that question, but I've never said, "Oh no, I'm I'm shutting this down. I'm going to get a a job." Because I ultimately I understand that I've gotten bitten by the bug, the entrepreneur mm-hmm. bug, and I'm not so sure. Um, not that I can't take direction or that I can't, you know, sort of hear others' feedback or listen to it because you have to do that even in this environment when you have a team. Yep. But I'm not so sure that I am sort of could be a rank and file employee where like I I, I walk in at like 8.30 and I kind of do the tasks for the day and kind of go home and sort of my my day is really dependent upon what someone else thinks I should be doing. I, I know that I couldn't do that. So I've never really, really considered <laughs> shutting down the business and going mm-hmm. to get a job. And I mean, you know, thank God you didn't, right? Because now you're in Target and Walmart stores nationwide. Um, you have a huge like fly office downtown Newark um, yes. that I'm going to come and, um, you know, work out <laughs> with days because it's just yes. so pretty. Yes, yes, yes. And then you have a, you have a huge, what's, what's your square footage of your warehouse now? The office? No, your warehouse. So, so we work with a we work with contract manufacturers, and we have a three PL. Mm. So if you're, yeah. So if you're referring to like, yeah. So the you, our office is five thousand square feet. Come on. Um, but we work with you know three PLs and contract manufacturers. And 
About how many orders are you processing a day, a week, or a month now? Um, it is about 800 orders a day or something like that, something like that, and whatever that is times 30. Okay. <laughs> and this is just based off of your website. There's still like the sales from the retail partners and other avenues, yeah. right? Yep. Yes. That's crazy, Calvin. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Did you ever think that you would be where you are today when you started Scotch Porter? No, I did I didn't. And even even today, you know, while you're in it, you kinda have moments where you're like, wow. Um, yeah. This is this is kind of where we are, right? Yep. And so, no, I I could not have ever imagined, and I'm sure in five years from now, I'll look back and I'll still say I could not have imagined, right? I could not have imagined that I'm here where I am now, and in five years, I I won't be able to imagine that I am where I am then, yeah, <laughs> compared yeah. to where I am now. So, no, I I couldn't have imagined, but I'm super, 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 super grateful. For sure. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, it's like you come up with this concept and, you know, to see it grow and then to see it grow even bigger is, is wild. Especially like if you just never hearing from hearing from you, you never had no true plans for this brand. You know, it was just something you were going to test out on your customers at the the barbershop. You didn't really like anticipate this growth. I, I didn't. The, the the one thing that I, you know, if I had to take a take a little bit of a step back and, you know, talk about is once I was very intentional about quitting the job and decided to focus all in on Scotch Porter, I did go through some some exercises, you know, working with he's actually a part of our board now. His name is Earl Boyd. He helped me and the and, and the, the, the earlier team to to figure out and to build a mission. Right. What's what's the mission of the of your brand? Why why do you do what you do? Um, what are the core values? The one thing that I'll say is initially when I first started, I didn't have any plans. But once I started to build, understand, really peel back the layers and figure out what do you really want to accomplish with this brand? Right. Which is the mission to help men feel the best, live the best, most fulfilled lives. Once I developed a purpose or a mission, I was able to leverage that to really build a business that was more than just about a product. And it helped me to develop a real why or a real purpose that allowed me to, and allowed the, me and the team to fight through really, really tough days, really building a, a compelling why, mm-hmm. because it's hard, right? It's, it's, it's really, really hard. And on those days that you want to give up, if you don't have a strong enough why to keep going, then you'll just quit. And so I think those, the earlier days when I, when, when we made, when I made an intentional decision to focus all of my time and energy on this business and building out, understanding, building out a mission and figuring out my purpose for the business and, you know, figuring out all those fundamental uh, building blocks had everything to do with, in my opinion, why we are where we are today. Because without it, I don't think we would. I, I think I definitely would have quit a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I also think one thing that has really contributed to the the growth of Scotch Porter is that you guys were specifically speaking and targeting an audience that often goes overlooked when it comes to men's health. Yeah, and that's black men, right? Yep. Granted, now, like you know, 
the brand has evolved and, you know, it still caters to that core audience, but it really also applies to every man that's looking to look and feel their best. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about this hashtag uh, beard gang and how that started catching <laughs> on. Cause I love me a beard, honey. That's why we work together and we, we work so well together because you cater to me and in, in my you what I like what? to look at. You know what? I'm my husband loves Scotch Porter. Uh, okay. I was about to say, I'm telling <laughs> your husband. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, like, what is it? Like five, six years ago, beards started to really become like a thing in terms of beards always existed, right? Men could always grow facial hair, some more than others. But for the most part, men could always grow facial hair. But the, like six years ago, five years, about six years ago, beards really became a thing. Started seeing folks that normally would shave their beards, um, you know, would let it grow out. I spotted it in the barbershop. I noticed many more folks coming in with these beards, most untamed, didn't quite know, didn't quite have anything to put in it. And you know, when you have textured hair, you require you require some TLC, right? Yep. And so at that time, you know, just spotting a lot of guys with beards coming into the shop, knowing that there really wasn't any product that existed. Yes, the beard gang hashtag kind of existed then and just figured out a way to, you know, create something that, you know, these guys could kind of use to kind of look and feel, feel their best. And so that's kind of how it started. And it really started at the time where folks were really starting to, to sport beards much more than they did, you know, say 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, because it's made a major comeback. Yes. And I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> along this journey, there has had to been one like big oops that you're like, damn, I wish if I could go back, like, you know, as an entrepreneur, we have those moments where we make a mistake or we go through like a pit in our journey. And we're like, yo, if I could go back, I would do X, Y, Z. Like these are things, these are conversations you have with yourself, even though you're like, you know, it it contributes to my overall journey. But do you have any moments like that where you, where you're like, yo, I, I, I almost fumbled this whole thing at this point, if I would have didn't done some things differently, I would have. Do you have any moments like that? Yes, I think, and and one of the biggest moments or moment moments because it's that happened many many times is not giving myself the permission to fall and stumble along the way, mm. and right, and 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 that that I would say being too hard on myself, right? Yeah, would probably be the moments that I wish that I would have sort of stopped, been a little bit more present, sort of do a, do a self-assessment. Look, look, where, where are you at currently? Where were you, you know, a year ago? Where were you two years ago? You know, really being present. I, I wish I would have given myself a little bit more permission to fail along the way. I honestly do, and even told even this day, I don't regret any of the what could be considered mistakes or mishaps along the way, because I, I truly am a believer that those things needed to happen to set you up for where you're supposed to be. They definitely do. Yeah. So, I mean, I believe that today. I've, I've always believed that then. But the biggest thing that I would say that I wish that I was better at is being a little bit more kind to myself and, and, mm. and being more forgiving and, and understanding that it's a journey. And even today, it's hard to <laughs> to sometimes say it's a journey because you're so focused on the pursuit of whatever that goal is that sometimes yeah. it's hard to 
right? It, when you're a hustler and you you want to figure it out and you have like this big grandiose why, right? And like wanting to get to that why sometimes can overshadow yep. the opportunity to be present. But it is important to be present and to enjoy where you are at the moment because it's all fleeting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's like, once you get to the next level, whatever the next level is in your life or your career or your job, if you if you don't enjoy the moments, you will forever be chasing this high mm-hmm. that you will never, you'll never meet this high. And so, or the high that you want, right? Yeah. And so I think it's, I think that's the one thing that I would say that I wish I was better at. You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs experience that because they're so like, into the hustle and don't really have, like, you can't sit and wallow. You got to pivot and do what you got to do to keep the business going. Right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs go through that where they're just so focused on running the business, getting to the next thing that they don't sit and be present in, you know, their mishaps or or they don't sit and even celebrate their wins. So did you celebrate getting to target at Walmart? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, you know something because I'm just be honest here. So when we got into Target, yes, I was incredibly happy about it. Like, oh, all those years of working, you know, planting seeds, and you know, you're finally being able to see the uh, see the successes from planting those seeds. Like, you're, you're finally starting to harvest some of this. And the weekend that we had launched, we I went with my mom, went with Doug, we went to Target. Went to, they didn't do a full transition yet. So we were in some stores and other stores we weren't. I walked up, I, we got to a Target that had the product and I walked up to the shelf and seen the product and was very, very happy. Like had this, this emotional moment for two seconds. I'm a Virgo. And not that Virgos <laughs> aren't emotional because we're actually very emotional, but I had this emotional thing going on for like two seconds. And I immediately looked above the shelf or next to me and we had seven items and noticed that this other brand had nine items and their positioning looked a little bit better and immediately destroyed that moment. Immediately destroyed, immediately destroyed that moment for myself. And, and this goes back to that, the question where you was like, well, is there a moment in time or moments in time? And I would say it's moments like that where, Mm -hmm. You know, you are so focused on really the hustle and the grind and wanting to be wanting to be super successful that sometimes you let things overshadow the moments where you should be like super joyous and celebrate. And it's, and I'm shameful to say that, yeah. <laughs> but being honest with you, that in that moment of took years to get there, took years to get there, blood, yeah. sweat, and tears, some nights crying and trying to figure out how you're going to make payroll and how you're going to do this and yeah. how you're going to pay the rent and, and all these things that happened. And that, in that one instance, I was happy. And then I destroyed that moment yeah. by having that, yeah. that moment. Right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I know firsthand that there's going to be a lot more moments for you to celebrate as it relates to Scotch Porter. And so, you know, you'll make that up. You'll have another moment where you can truly sit and relish and like, yo, we did this. We're here. I'm having that moment now. So I am, I am, I'm, listen, we, we're all a work in progress and I'm a work in progress for sure. And I'm having that moment now because I am 
incredibly grateful, know that I am truly fortunate and super happy about where we are now with our expanded distribution in both Walmart and Target. Come on. And nothing, including myself, because we are we are harder on ourselves than anybody could ever be, right? Listen, um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we are, but I am super grateful, and uh, you know, and and I've and I've and most of that is a mental shift mm-hmm. in your mindset, right? And so, you know, I've made some changes in my life in terms of what I do when I get up in the morning, and the mantras that I practice, and thinking about gratefulness and meditation and all that other stuff is kind of shifted how I think about things. You got a Peloton. I got a Peloton. We need to ride together. I lost like 70 pounds over the last 18, 20 months or so. So I'm living my best life right now. So I'm I'm super grateful. Yes, I'm here (laughs) for it. I'm proud of you. I'm really proud to see you in this moment really celebrating because I've worked with you for years and I know you haven't. And I think this is about the happiest that I've ever seen you been. And I'm just super, super, super proud of you. The world is not even ready for some of the other stuff you got coming out. And I'm just grateful to be working with you and that you've trusted me and my team with, you know, your baby. Yeah. Well, you've been you've been great. Um, You know, you've helped us uh, quite a lot along the way. So thank you. Of course. Of course. If you had to give a roadmap to your success with Scotch Porter, what would you tell someone that's trying to get into the beauty industry or even trying to start a business that's related to the beauty beauty industry? So uh, I guess the first thing that I would say is figuring out what expertise you have or what what things have you garnered along the way in your life that you feel, you know, you would be most qualified to do or to commit to. And I'd say from from there, it's about finding sort of a niche or an area that's that's a bit underserved or, you know, folks haven't necessarily focused on it or there's particular categories of products that are in the beauty industry that have kind of existed forever and no one has necessarily innovated or created anything new or different. And, you know, a good example is like the, the shower cap company, Jana, you probably have heard, right. You know, women have been using shower caps forever. Yeah. Um, And they took something that is such a commodity and gave it, you know, interesting style (laughs) you know, create, made, made something very innovative of it and, and, and kind of ran with it. So I'd say, again, it's finding, finding a niche or something that has existed forever that no one has necessarily thought of changing up or doing anything differently, but it's an, it's an item or product or category that people have used forever and figuring out how you can, how you can add value do something different with that particular product or category. But I do think that there's there's always opportunity in focusing on niches or areas that folks haven't necessarily innovated or, or thought about for quite some time. And so that that's where I'd start. I'd say just move, get moving, right? Try it. You know, it should become a hobby, you know, kind of kind of explore it a bit. Just just take some steps in and start to move on it. And then if it's meant for you or if it's not meant for you, you'll find out along the way, but you just got to get started, get going. Love that. Calvin, 
Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm truly excited to see what's next for you in the Scotch Porter brand. I know you have amazing things on the horizon, and I can't wait for everyone else to see what's coming up. So thank you. Well, thank, for you. Me today. thank you for having me. Of course. All right. Take care. All righty. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.